0: In the uh, next uh, few moments that we have together, I really want to leave you with something that I trust will be uh, something you can begin to use on a regular basis, because why preach for the sake of preaching? Uh, Why give a sermon, uh, spend time preparing if it's not something that we can actually implement into every day of our life? And if you really think of it for a moment, if you took the Bible and really assessed it for what it is, isn't it a book that has lots of amazing stories of people that somehow had a connection with God. So while others around them didn't have the connection, they had a connection, or a group of people that had a connection with God, like the children of Israel. And then God was able to be God, I'll say that again, God was able to be God in their life. And it showed a great contrast to those who didn't have God or didn't have that connection. Wouldn't, wouldn't we be safe to say that's really uh, uh, what, what it is as a summary? And all of, it, all of it leads us, as you're reading it, to realize, through Jesus Christ, I can have this too. Yeah. And isn't that really what we want? Because the opposite of that would be to come to a service if we didn't want that, and to make the service become more of a religious type of experience where we feel like we did what we were supposed to do on a Sunday morning. We went somewhere and we worshipped and we listened. That would be the opposite, wouldn't it? And we don't want that. You got quiet. I kind of almost felt like I could hear a pin drop there. You know, I'm not saying that's you. I'm saying if we look at why we're here Aren't we here to take the Word of God, begin to experience God Himself, incorporate God into our life where God is able to be God in our life? Because to the degree and to the area where God is not able to be Himself in our life, that must mean in some way we're in the way. Right? Because the moment you let God be God, what happens? Uh, like signs, wonders, miracles, healings, deliverances, like everything at home is much better. Kids are really doing well and on track. The job is great. And even if the job isn't what you ultimately want, you've got an amazing attitude and you begin to climb the ladder of success as far as the world's concerned because people just want to give you better jobs and better pay. And the way that you view society is you're able to see what is and what isn't where before you just bought into everything that the world told you was life. I mean, when God's able to be God, that's the kind of stuff that happens, the kind of stuff that we pray and hope would happen. It just happens when we're able to get out of the way and let God be God. So this is what's been going on in my life and the last couple of years, and I'll just say it like this. I have found out that I really have been in the way. Is anybody going to leave me up here being the only one that's ever felt like you're in the way? Or, Or can anybody identify with the fact that maybe we've all been in the way a little bit? And the whole idea of, remember the the old old verses there? I say old just because I remember I learned them as a four-year-old. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. That was one of our memory verses as a child. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Well, I've learned that I've only given Him a portion of my heart. And the rest of my heart has been in the way. And so the last couple of years, it's been just really stripping myself down and just getting out of the way and just trusting the Lord whole, wholeheartedly and watching God do things in my life and in my body and in the way that I see things that, you know, I didn't really realize that I was that far off. And now I'm beginning to see some things really straight. So I want to share that kind of a message with you this morning. Is that all right there, everybody? Amen. 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 Well, I'm going to be talking about, you know, I've never been one to give titles. I just never have, you know. But I've got a title for you today. Are you a bugster or a Christian? And I know that's a made-up name, bugster, but you're just going to have to Remember that while I'm preaching, and we're going to finally get to it at the very end. But you're going to understand this in just a moment. So I want to talk about your affections for a moment. So if you turn your Bibles over to uh, first, Second Corinthians chapter 6, I'm going to be reading a lot this morning out of King James, the New King James, but then also reverting to the Message Bible of something that I, I've really found that the Message Bible, and I would encourage you, if you don't have a Message Bible, that would be one of the best investments that you would make. Especially, not that I've gotten into it a lot in the Old Testament, I do reference it, but um, I've really just grabbed a hold of the New, New Testament in the Message Bible and found it to be amazingly enlightening scriptures out of the King James or the New King James, it seems to have the religious overtones with the big words, you know, the sanctification and the redemption and, and the righteousness and all these things. And you put all that together in some of the ways that Paul talks through the King James language and you're, you're kind of left just thinking, what does that mean? Well, the Message Bible makes it so simple, and they actually do a very precise and good job at it. So I recommend that uh, this morning. If there was something that you wanted to invest in that would help your life so that you could actually see God begin to work in your life, the Message Bible would be really good. All right, in the 6th chapter, 11 through 13, it says, O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. Let me stop right there and say... The grace of God, which you'll hear me reference, which is nothing more than, if you would say it like this, you could also say the Spirit of God. You could say the Holy Spirit. You could say the anointing of God, the power of God, the glory of God. But you'll hear me say the grace of God, and the reason why is because we're in a dispensation of grace. In other words, a time period of grace. 2,000 years of the grace of God upon this planet, and I know that's exactly what all the Old Testament prophets say looked into our day and wished that they could have lived in the dispensation of grace because they were under a covenant of law. In other words, everything was your performance, otherwise you didn't qualify. But in the day we live, because of what Jesus Christ did, He took all our sin, all our bad choices, He went to hell with them, and He was raised up because of our justification. That means our sin put Him in the grave But when every single bad choice and every single sin of all humanity, past, present, and future, was covered in his blood, then Jesus was raised for our justification. Big word. What does it mean? It means for us to be set right with God. So grace is what? It's about what Jesus does for you. And I like using that term because it always reminds me that I qualify. Because there's moments where your mind is far from God. There's moments where you've missed it and made bad choices. And you can feel really bad about yourself and feel like, I just can't approach God. But you know what? Because God, through Jesus Christ, eliminated all of your bad choices and all of your sin. At all times, you can spend time with your Father. And the reason why God did that is is He believes if you'll get to know Him, you wouldn't want to know anyone else. He believes if you would taste and see that the Lord is good, Old Testament scripture, taste and see that the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever, that taste would be so good you'd want more. And if you've not tasted him, then you need to today. Amen. All right, look at what Paul's saying here. An open heart and an open mind is how we came to you. And then he said this, you are not restricted by us, limited. There's no boundaries from us. But you are restricted by your own affections. In other words, the boundaries and limitations on your life have not come from God. They've come from your own affections. Interesting. Now, in return for the same, I speak as to children, Paul said, you also be open, have an open heart, have a receptive mind. All right? Message Bible says this. Dear, dear Corinthians... I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter into this open, wide, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection, open up your lives, live openly and expansively. That's good, isn't it? What does that sound like? Get out of the way doesn't it? It sounds like you're in the way of God. God wants to show you things. God wants to do amazing things. But to the degree that you've put limitations and boundaries on your life that have not come from God, then God is what? Hindered from being able to be God in your life. Does he want to be? Absolutely. Would you like it if he were able to be God in your life? Oh, yes, you would. You'd think you died and went to heaven. That's right. So what do we really want to do? We want to live openly, have our hearts open and receptive, our minds keyed into who? To God, so that He can live in our lives. Everything you'll hear about what I'm preaching this morning has nothing to do with some form of doctrine. It has everything to do with you incorporating this into seeing things change in your life. I've watched things change in my life that for years through the doctrines of speaking the word, speaking the word, listening to the word, hearing the word. And I'm not saying hearing the word and speaking the word isn't good. I'm just saying we used it as a formula and we worked it and worked it and worked it. And the harder I worked it, the less anything seemed to happen. In the last couple of years, I've so got myself out of the way, I'm not even uh, concerned about the things I was concerned about, stopped thinking about them and just started enjoying Jesus himself. And all of a sudden I watched my body start to act in ways that hadn't acted for years because of some surgeries that I'd had in the past. And now things are just working like anybody else. How'd you do that? I didn't. I just got out of the way. I've watched things happen in my home. Areas where you're working, you know, on family and you're working on kids. I've watched myself just get out of the way and watch God get in and start working on things. All of a sudden things start to work so much better. I've watched it in multiple areas of my life and the coolest part of it is I haven't been stressed out. Because I don't care anymore. I found out there was somebody that cared for me. If I can get out of the way, he'll do a better job than I could any day. Can you say amen to that? All right. Let's really get into this here. We've got a little bit of time. And uh, I'll give you a couple scriptures. You don't have to turn there. But Matthew 6.21 says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I know you've probably heard that before. And, of course, it says in the Message Bible, I think this is really good, of... uh, the same it says, don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moth and corroded by rust, or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasure in heaven, where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Your eyes are windows to your body. If you're open, if you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body fills with light. If you live squinty-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a dank cellar. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you'll have. You can't worship two gods at once. Living, loving one god, you'll end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money both. What's he talking about? He's talking about separating yourself from the way that the world sees society. I gave this illustration to the guys at the man camp, and I think it bears repetition. This is a really good illustration. You can help me with it. Uh, Maybe you've never been there to Times Square in New York City, but if you can imagine just watching, you know, the New New Year celebration they always have, you know, the Times Square, you know, the drop, you know, the ball and all that. Uh, If you can imagine all the lights in New York City, then I have to ask you this question. On a beautifully clear night where the stars are out, if you were in the middle of Times Square with all those bright lights, could you see the stars? No. And yet, if you went, and you know, the other day I said this at a church, I said, if you went 40 miles east, and then I realized 40 miles east would be in the ocean. That was dumb. Amen. So if you went 40 miles west, out into the country, and looked up at the same stars, could you see them? All right, here's the difference. The country is what God made. The city is what man made. Which means the closer you are attached to society, the less chance you'll have at seeing God say, what? I'll say that again because I know that may be shocking. Because today, oh my God, the technology is amazing. This new thing and that new thing and this and this and this. And you know, it's nothing wrong with having technology, but the idea is we buy into the whole technological age and what it does is is zap the energy right out of your spiritual awareness of God. The closer you are to society, the less chance you'll have of recognizing and participating with God. Come on, what's the Bible about? The Bible is about stories of individuals who had a connection with God and their life was amazing and people looked at them with wonder and awe. And even in the scriptures in the psalm it says, and they began to say, look at the Lord, what he has done for the children of Israel. You say, well, I want that life. Well, then you're probably going to have to make simple decisions that might not be easy. You say, how how can a decision be simple but not easy? Well, decisions are simple because it's just a yes or a no. The not easy part is how ingrained a certain pattern of life is that you have to make a simple decision to break that pattern and go the opposite way. But let me be assured of this. When you make decisions for God, you're not alone. That's when the grace of God comes to help you to do something you can't do for yourself. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Let's look a little bit further here because I want to see here uh, if there's something in common with these scriptures that I'm going to read to you. And you don't have to turn to them. If you'd like to, you can. But it's over in Judges chapter 6, 11 to 13. I'm just giving portions here. But let's just see if there's something in common here. It says, One day the angel of God came and sat down under the oak tree in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Asbirite whose son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress out of sight of the Midianites. So the Midianites were oppressing Israel and he's hiding in the winepress and he's threshing wheat to have something to eat. Okay, he's hiding it from the Midianites. The angel of God appeared to him and said, God is with you, O mighty warrior. And Gideon replied, With me, sir? Which is interesting. In the King James, you can see it. He replied to this angel as sir, just another man, But it wasn't until later when he began to talk to him he realized, oh my God, I'm speaking to the Lord. Isn't it interesting that God is standing right before him talking to him and he doesn't know that it's God? Why? Is it because maybe his affections are somewhere else? God is with you, you mighty warrior. Gideon replied, well, if he is, sir... If God is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the miracle wonders our parents and grandparents told us about? Telling us, didn't God deliver us from Egypt? The fact is, God has nothing to do with us. He has turned us over to Midian. He's forsaken us, in other words. Now look at what Gideon was focused on. He's focused on his problems. And what has he concluded? God's not here. And what did it do? it eliminated him and put boundaries and limits on him being able to see God when God was standing right before him. Let's go to the next passage. It's John chapter 5, verse 38 to 40. And this is a bunch of Pharisees coming to challenge Jesus. And Jesus makes this observation here in the King James. He says, But you do not have his word abiding in you, because whom he has sent you don't believe. Meaning Jesus is saying, You don't believe me, and yet it's God that that sent me. He went on to say, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. In other words, your scriptures testify of me, but you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. Wow, that's pretty interesting. Let's see this in the Message Bible. You have your heads in your Bibles constantly. I'm going to make a statement here. And don't take this wrong, because if you take this wrong, then you're only doing yourself harm. I love the Word of God. I read it every day. And I spend time meditating on principles that are there. But I've learned something in the last couple of years. And that is, the Word of God is like a recipe book. It's really like a treasure, you know, like a treasure map. It's supposed to give you information that will lead you to an experience with a person. Now, if I stood up here and told Brother Hagin's stories, and I could, but I only told his stories, what does it say? It says that I don't have what? I don't have my own. So I have to do what? I have to give you what I have, which is to tell you somebody else's. Now, if the Bible is supposed to lead you to God, and all you ever do is have your head in the Bible... What's the possibility that the reason why you do is because that's all you got? You've never found Him. So do I not look at the Bible? No, you need to look at it differently. You need to look at everything you're reading as, how does that cause me to be able to what? Find God, experience God, hear God, walk with God Get out of the way so God can do the kind of things that God does in people's lives when you have a connection with God. And as you look at it differently, and that's what I've changed in the last couple of years. Everything I'm reading in here, I look for the opportunity to just step out into the void of nothingness and experience God with. Instead of just holding on to the scripture and saying, I love my scripture. Ladies, that'd be the same thing as saying, I've memorized every one of Betty Crocker's, you know, uh, recipes. I just love Betty Crocker's cookbook. And then I look at you and say, but there's definitely something very wrong. Well, what's wrong? Well, you're about 89 pounds, and it looks like with your height and and the size of your bones, you should probably be about 130, 140 pounds, and you're about 85 pounds to 90 pounds. Do you ever eat? Oh, no, I never eat. Well, so then you must not cook. Oh, I don't cook, but I just love Betty Crocker's cookbook. (laughs) I carry it with me everywhere I go. Well, would you like to meet Betty Crocker? Well, I don't really need to because I got her cookbook. You see, the purpose of having a cookbook is to do what? To be able to cook with it so that people can have what? Have a taste or be fortified, have sustenance, grow, develop, have strength. So what's the purpose of the Bible? Just to be able to say, I quote the Bible all the time. Well, how's that working for you? See, if you take that wrong, you'll think I'm against the Bible. I'm not against the Bible. You heard me say it. I read it all the time, too. I just read it with a different light now. How can this affect the way that I get out of the way so God can work with me? How can this affect the way that I hear him, see him, recognize him, know him? Because the Bible is to lead me to a person. It's not a concept that I have a person. It's actually having a person. It's having him say things to me yesterday, multiple times during the day. And then I dealt with some things last night and knew exactly how to do it because the Lord told me how. And it worked out like perfect. And I know I would have messed it up. And that kind of thing happens all the time. Why? Because I'm just changing my focus. Is everybody doing okay with that? Well, Jim's going to have to hurry a little bit. I'll read the rest of it. You have your heads in your Bibles constantly because you think you'll find eternal life there. But you miss the forest for the trees. It's good. These scriptures are all about me. And I'm here, standing right before you, and you aren't willing to receive from me the life you say you want. I'm not interested in crowd approval. And you know why? Because I know you and your crowds. I know that you love, especially, I know that love, especially God's love, is not your working agenda. I came with the authority of my Father, and you either dismiss me or avoid me. If another came acting self important, you would welcome him with open arms. How do you expect to get anywhere with God when you spend all your time jockeying for position with each other, ranking your rivals, and ignoring God? In other words, the reading of the scriptures isn't necessarily to find God, it's just a practice of religiosity that makes you feel like you have something when you really don't. In other words, isn't it interesting in Christian circles today that there's a Christian ease? What do you mean? It's the same thing as saying, you know, do you know Spanish? Do you know, you know, Chinese, Mandarin Chinese? Do you know French? Do you know Christian? We talk the talk, see. Hey, brother, how you doing? Well, gloriously blessed and highly favored. I didn't ask you that. Just how are you doing for crying out loud? (laughs) Because if that's really what you want to say, then give me about 20 to 30 hours to be a stenographer and follow you around all day long and then write down whether or not you are highly favored and blessed and everything is going the way you say it is. Because if it's not, and you're nothing but just swimming in drama... And living out of the, the concept of the world, and your mentality is far away from God, except when you're in a church where you feel like this is the way that I talk, then I'd have to say you're just full of hot air. Because nowadays, everybody knows that talk is what? Cheap. There you go. How come it's cheap? Because that's society. Society's done that to us. It's spun words until words really don't mean what words used to mean. And a man's word doesn't really mean what it used to mean anymore. That's why you got to get high powered lawyers to be able to put words that even have small print that you can get out of what they just put you in. See, nothing is absolute anymore, and God is nothing but absolute. He's straight and narrow. Will he bend and come over to where I'm at, all mixed up? (laughs) No. no. That's why he sent Jesus to take all of your mixed up, so that you could come to him and find life. That's what Jesus is saying. You're searching scriptures, and here I am, but you don't see me. You know, I really think the greatest job of the Holy Ghost is kind of like the guy out there on the runway with the orange flashlights helping the planes to come in, going like this and moving them, and people just don't see him. Father, they're not getting it. I know. Can I help them? It's their choice. You can't. How come you haven't been running around the room and shouting hallelujah and all that kind of stuff? Amen. This is good. This is what helps to make the connection. It's seeing things as they really are, being a realist to the point of actually having to be wrong so that you can finally be what? Right. Well, I'm not willing to be wrong. Well, then it kind of stinks to be you. What do you mean? Well, being full of pride means God will resist you. But he gives grace to the humble. And I want His grace because I'm a screw-up without God. I am. I mean, the only reason why I have even a portion of success, as the world would say success in this life, has to do only with Jesus Christ. I I wouldn't... I'd be making terrible decisions. I'm a fly-by-the-seat-of-my-pant type of guy. That's why I had to marry Mark's sister. (laughs) Because she's got her ducks in a row. I end up shooting them half the time, but she's got her ducks in a row. (laughs) It's true. It is. I was talking about this today. You know, Aaron and I are complete opposites that need each other to function. I need Jesus in my life. I need what He can bring me. And I realize I can need it. And I'm willing at any moment to be wrong because I love it when I'm right. And it's not about me being right. I mean, I love it when things are working with God and it's right. So I'm willing at any moment to have someone say, you know, that's not right. I wonder if it isn't. Maybe it isn't. Instead of saying, what do you think you're saying to me? Right? All right, third example. And then I'll hurry on to tell you, are you either a bugster or a Christian? I know you're wanting that to be explained. (laughs) All right. Third example, Luke chapter 18, verse 18 to 25 in the Message Bible. It says, one day one of the local officials asked him, saying, good teacher, what must I do to deserve eternal life? Jesus said, why are you calling me good? No one is good, only God. You know that the commandments, don't you? Uh, no illicit sex, no killing, no stealing, no lying. Honor your father and mother. He said, I've kept all these as long as I can remember. Jesus, uh, When Jesus heard that, he said, there is only one thing left then for you to do. Sell everything you have and give it away to the poor. You will have riches in heaven. Then come, follow me. This was the last thing the official expected to hear. He was very rich and became terribly sad. He was holding on tight to a lot of things and not about to let them go. Seeing his reaction, Jesus said, do you have any idea how difficult it is for people who have have it all together uh, to enter into God's kingdom, I'd say it's easier to thread a camel through a needle's eye than to get a rich person into God's kingdom. What seems to be the same, why are all these these illustrations, why are they all the same? Because each illustration, an individual or groups of individuals had affections in a particular area that limited them from having God. Hmm? Are you seeing it? Gideon's caught up with the problems of life and he can't see God. God's standing right there before him. He's all ticked off because things just aren't working right. Have we ever been there before? Sure. The Pharisees, man, they're just religious. Into into all the religious things, doing it the way they've been taught to do it, yet the whole idea of actually having God is so far from them when Jesus is standing there, they don't even recognize that he's Jesus. They'd rather just jockey for a position and do the things they do so they could sound important and put other people in bondage. And this guy right here, he says, I want to follow you. All right, we'll keep the commandments. Well, I've kept them all. Jesus said, well, go sell what you have. In other words, the materialism of life, the way that the world... Come on, the American dream. The American dream isn't about finding Jesus. The American dream is about being materialistic and having plenty of it so you don't have to worry about having enough. Is it not? Come on, it was about, what, 80, 90, 100 years ago, the idea of having God in a family... And having well-being, whether or not you had status, was more the American dream. I mean, go back 150 years, 200 years, the real idea of life centered around having food, shelter, and clothing. And that did not mean having 40 shoes and 40 outfits. And I don't care how many shoes you have and how many outfits you have. I'm just giving you an idea here that years ago it was very simple. And remember, the country is what God made. Where it's simple, society confuses everything and you get lost in the shuffle. And before you know it, you don't know where God, 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 where is God? And the only time you really seek God is when it's so bad that after you've tried everything else that the world gives you, you have to have something else. This is not life. Life is enjoying him every day, all day long getting out of the way until you literally could care less about anything of this world and you lose all that care and you enjoy rest and peace? Do you know if we could bottle up peace right now and sell it, this whole room right here would be a bunch of gazillionaires. Come on. This is the day we're living in where people's hearts are failing them for fear of the thing which are coming upon the face of the earth. People are shuffling back and forth. The economic news that's in the air right now, the buzz in the, in the monetary system where, where things could crash even with our dollar... What are we going to do if it happens? What about if overnight you've got $100,000 in the bank and now all of a sudden it's reduced to 30000 and you're done with? You can't make it. You say, I don't even have that. Okay. <laughs> then where is our hope? And are we going to wait until it all hits rock bottom to finally say, God, are you there? Or could we actually avoid it by finding them now? All right. You see, these are the type of things that if your heart is open right now and you're listening intently to say, go ahead, share it. I'm not afraid of you sharing whatever's necessary, even if I know inside, oh my gosh, he's nailing my hide to the wall. Do you know why you need your hide nailed to the wall and me as well? Do you know why we need it? We need to be pinned to the wall until there's only a choice. that is either a yes or a no. Because as long as you got options, you'll take them. If you want to know what society has given us, it's given us so many options that we're literally spinning in different methods and God has been lost in the shuffle. You know, there's one store I can't function in. Well, most of them I can't. But one store in particular, I cannot function. It's too much. It's brain overload. And that's a light store. They're everywhere. There's thousands of them. They're on the ceiling. They're all on the walls. They're standing up. They're everywhere. Pick one out. They all look beautiful. I have to have someone tell me. Well, these are probably what you like. Okay. Which one of the five you'd like? It doesn't matter. They all look nice. Well, just choose one. I could do that. But to choose one out of thousands, that's, that's overload for me. And that's what's happened to us in Christianity. We've got so many options now. It's brain overload. And we're literally not choosing at all. Isn't that why Jesus said what? Either be hot or be cold but don't be lukewarm. What's lukewarm represent? Those who have the knowledge of being hot but refuse to choose. Ladies, answer me this question. What do you make sure when you make a purchase that you keep? Excuse me? Why? You Take it back and return it, right? So then here, let me ask you this question. Does a receipt help you to make an absolute choice? What kind of choice can you make if you have a receipt? A really bad one. And still what? Get away with it. No accountability, no responsibility. Because you don't have to keep it. What's that training you to do? To lose the exactness, the spot on, the absoluteness of life. Now, because that's the way the world goes, keep your receipt, because you can take it back. But I'm sharing with you, this is the world we're in, and that's just one example out of thousands and thousands that we're spinning in by day that are helping us to lose the ability to make a choice that causes us to be so convicted that we're willing to step across the line of no return and deal with our choice and believe it's right. Because when the rack says, final sale, no returns, what kind of decision do you make then? One that you're willing to what? Live with. Now, do you see how this would affect your relationship with God? Not making decisions that allow us to find Him. Because it has to be absolute. Does that make sense? All right. I'll I'll cut to the chase here. There's some other things that I'll say in the next service. Because I might have just an extra five minutes or so. But I'll cut to the chase here with the whole idea of, are you a bugster or are you a Christian? My wife was away uh, a few weeks ago with some of her friends. At the beginning of the month, she went with her friends to Florida. And and the kids and I were were, uh, home alone. We were endeavoring to do some fun things. So um, I took a couple of the guns that I had, and we went out to the ranch with my friend, my co-host on my radio show, BJ Rickard, and we went shooting. And the girls ended up being amazing shots. You know, just, uh, he said that it's just, it's natural for them. They could be ex- expert shots. I mean, you know, from here to the wall away in a pool of water while the little ducky that's this big is floating with a twenty two, the, the youngest and the oldest both nailed it. thing jumps up about four feet in the air. They were hitting all the targets, you know. And Dad was doing his best to hit the targets, too. We had a blast. We had a great time. But while we were out there, you know, there were a bunch of bugs and bees. And my wife has taught my children how to be bugsters. In other words, they all freak. I wouldn't have a problem telling if she were here. They all freak over the littlest bug in the world. Oh, my God. I mean, I remember coming home from work one day, and I came home, and the kids were about probably, oh, They were probably maybe eight, six, and three. And I came home and Aaron's out in the front yard, just standing there. And I drove up and I rolled the window down and said, What are you doing, hon? She said, There's a wasp in the house. (laughs) I said, Where are the kids? She said, Oh, they're in the house. It's like training 101 on how to be freaked out with the littlest bug, okay? Allie kind of took after me. She'll pick up anything. She doesn't care. But the other two, and especially Drew, the middle one, you know, she's 16. She's pretty freaked out with any type of bug. It's going to get her, you know. I mean, Aaron even went out and got, you know, an electrocuting, uh, like, tennis racket that you press a button and it electrocutes them. You You know, just fry them right there, you know. And Drew was so freaked, she threw it at one of them, and then busted the electrocuting thing. So that don't work anymore. So we're out there and endeavoring to shoot, and the whole time Drew's doing this, like that. And BJ, my my co-host, he has just an amazing relationship with God. He turned his back so much on the world that he found God to the point where he literally just went home to heaven and then figured out how to stay there until he's conscious of God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost as much as I'm looking at the three of you. And it's nothing special. It just happens to be he's more conscious of that world than this world, which are certain scriptures that are very simple. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that's right before you get to we walk by faith, not by sight. Which is saying what? To walk in a manner where the body is least important and your spirit is the most important is to find that the spiritual world becomes very normal. Seeing God, hearing God wouldn't be then a miracle. It would just be pretty natural to you. To someone who doesn't see, then it's very abnormal. Right? Or Unnatural. Y'all with me? So he said, all right, all right, let's solve this right here because you can't be swatting bugs. while we're out here having fun. He said, all right, guys. He said, uh, we're here. We're having fun. We're going to enjoy shooting. And no one will be hurt, obviously. There'll be nothing for us to worry about. And as far as the bugs, just take care of them. Thank you. And he said, you guys believe that? And they said, yes. He said, do you believe it? Yes. So then we started shooting. Because why would you worry about bugs now? Because the Holy Ghost is there to help you. And Drew's shooting and good shot, and all of a sudden she sees a bug and swaps at it with the twenty-two rifle and it's like, oh, okay, okay, oh, 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 oh. Not good to use the rifle to hit the bug, okay? Number one. With your finger on the trigger. But number two, BJ just said, Whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. He said, We prayed. She said, yeah. Well, he said, are, are you a bugster? Or are you a Christian? He said, now you may have been a Christian yesterday, but right now it looks like you're pretty much a bugster. <laughs> and by being so everlasting conscious of what? Bugs. She's forfeiting the right to be conscious of what? Grace. The Holy Spirit. God. God. And being conscious of God is the first step of what? Getting out of the way to let Him do something that you couldn't do yourself. And if you start living out of the way, all of a sudden, why wouldn't God take care of your body? Because think of it. In light of what we're talking about, Adam and Eve in the garden, when did they first really recognize that they had a body? It wasn't until they sinned, which then says something about the body. The body absolutely did not have the preeminence of importance, did it? It's spirit, soul, and then body. How come the body was so far down here? Because if you're enjoying God out of your spirit, why wouldn't the enjoyment of God and God himself take care of the body? Do you see all kinds of drama while Adam and Eve were in the garden? No. Do you see them running around trying to take all kinds of medicine because they needed healing? No. Do you see them, you know, trying to be doc? No. Do you see them trying to get strict psychologists? No. Why? Because when you're hanging out with God and your spirit is of most importance and you're being a real Christian, those things get taken care of. Why wouldn't they? But now where do we see the drama start? After man became a flesh being. It was Adam as a spirit being that introduced the world into what it's like to be a flesh being. He became such a flesh being that after he got kicked out of the garden, he didn't even try to get back in to be a spirit being. He went ahead and accepted that now I'm a flesh being and began to live in the chaos of what the flesh can produce which is not much compared to what the spirit can produce which is everything. And not that the reason why Paul said the the exercise only profits you a little but godliness is profitable for all things not only for this life but also the life to come. What's he trying to get across to us? When there's a spiritual connection you won't have to worry about taking the right vitamins or the right minerals or the right this and the right that to keep you healthy because it's out of your heart. Jesus said, I've got food to eat of of which you know not there's life sustaining power in Christ in fact to have Christ in our body to have Jesus living in our heart means more than there's a concept that I'm going to heaven I've been included on the roll when the roll is called up yonder remember those old songs yeah it's not just being on the roll it's living in the glory it's experiencing God So I really liked that because it was a great lesson. Are you a bugster or are you a Christian? So now Drew has gone to start working with him and I encouraged her to do it, which she works now on the ranch and does fire, you know, stacking firewood and helping with the horses and stuff. And the first time she's out there, she literally sneezed probably about 20 times in about, about five minutes. You know, all the hay and everything else. So B.J. just looked at it and said, okay, are going to sneeze? Are you going to be a sneezer or are you going to be a Christian? So he got in the little four-wheeler there and just went round and round and round and kicked up all kinds of dust right there in the pasture where all the fresh cut, because he just did hay, where the fresh cut hay had been cut. And after about 10 minutes, all of a sudden, all the sneezes just went away. He said, isn't that interesting? that we decided we'd either be one or the other. And this is what he said out loud when he's driving around. He said, Grace, either just cause her to sneeze her brains out or go ahead and help her out. What are you doing? That's faith. See, that's stepping into the unknown, betting your life on the unseen realities of God that grace is there. Why would you be a sneezer? B.J. had a lady come and get some hay from, her, from him. She wanted a couple bales of hay for her special rabbits that only ate a certain type of hay. And when she came, she said, I really can't get near the hay. She said, I, I have allergies, and I just don't do good with grass. He said, but I thought you were a Christian. She said, oh, well, I am. He said, then a Christian wouldn't have problem with hay. Why would a Christian have problem with grass if grace and Jesus is literally all over them? He said, well, I, he said, really, you're a grasser. You're not much of a Christian. She said, well, what do you mean? He said, why don't you, if you really want to be a Christian, just get down and roll around in the grass and prove that the grass has no power over you because the devil's been defeated. Why would you let it if you're a Christian? And she just had wonderment on her face, and all of a sudden she flops on the ground and starts doing a snow angel in the grass and rolling around, and after about five minutes she said, I'm not even sneezing. And she enjoyed it, and three hours later she called and she said, there's no welts, I'm not sneezing, I'm not all stuffed up. She said, I'll never be a grasser again. (laughs) You mean it could change that quickly? It has to, because all bad choices have been forgiven. Now, in the next couple of minutes in this service, there may be some people in this room that are diseasters, that are sicksters, that are painsters, that are drama queensters. <laughs> Come on, what did Jesus say over there through through Peter? He said, it's not about the adorning of the outside. It's about that quiet, meek spirit on the inside. What's he trying to say? Some people might be, you know, fashionsters, you know, clothessters. Whatever you want to put in there, what's stealing your affections and energy so that you don't have it to put on the Lord? It gives you drama. It makes you rise up about things. You can get frustrated so easy about things. What are those kind of things in your life that would make you so quickly act in the world and forsake the grace see I'm a New Yorker. New Yorkers like to use their horn when they drive <laughs> I remember pulling up just is real quick pulling up at victory at the Christian Center you know here we are, here I'm a preacher and I'm at a Christian school and I left some room where there was a crosswalk and I didn't pull all the way up so that the kids wouldn't think a car's right there close and they could walk and a lady comes up not even paying attention and pulls right in front of me right across the crosswalk. I'm thinking, come on, stupid! I mean, what? You know, you got any brains? What? And of course, that's my New Yorker coming out. That's how we talk, you know. So I just laid on the horn, and she reached. She said, "You honking me?" I said, "Yes." What do you think? I said, "There's a crosswalk walk right there. Didn't you see it?" That's why I pulled back here. What are you doing? And I thought I really gave it to her. And then I went away from there and I thought, that could make you that mad? And act? Like that? And I thought, you really are pretty messed up. Holy smokes. (laughs) So that's how tangible that is, that you would give it that much energy and that much affection. And literally close out, like putting your hand up to God and say, not now, I'm busy. (laughs) We've all done it. Is there anybody in this room, you say, my body's not doing right. And I'm tired of being sick when I know I'm a real Christian. Somebody in this room, you may be saying, you know, I'm tired of being given to such ridiculousness. I swim in it all day long. I think about it and meditate on things. Drama. The smallest little things can cause you and your wife, because she said something, didn't even mean it, but she took it like she meant it. And then all of a sudden, huh, she meant that. So the next thing you know, you're fussing with each other, and the kids see that something's not just right, so then they feel a little bit insecure, and they go off to school, and then they end up doing something they normally wouldn't do. And it all comes back to the drama that you created. Collateral damage. By just not caring... And trusting that she loves you, why does it matter if she did call you a jerk? It doesn't matter. Because maybe you are. So who cares? Why make it drama? Why have collateral damage? And then this can go on and on and on and on, and people can live like that until that's normal living. And if they did have peace, they'd be freaking out, like, what do I do with myself? I don't have enough drama to, to buy into. Huh? Huh? All of that, which is the way the world lives, will literally eliminate your vision to God. Can we pray just a mass prayer here this morning? If you've got pain in your body, put your hand where that pain is. Put your hand where the pain is. It's going to leave you right now. Why wouldn't it? Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. He didn't say ask and 15 years later if you believe you receive, waiting on the manifestation something's going to happen. Come on, that's religion. It's going to happen right now. It'll just disappear. And after I pray and say amen, you say, I'm no longer sick. I am a real Christian. In the name of the wonderful Lord Jesus Christ, grace, fix everybody right now. Because of what Jesus Christ already did, there's no possibility that sickness can stay on their body. It's illegal. Now be well, be healed, and receive that wonder. that's it right there, wonderful presence of God. And every bit of that pain and sickness just leave you right now. Amen. Say it. I'm not sick can't be sick because I'm a real Christian. Everybody say it with me. I'm not a bugster. I'm not a a grasser. I'm grasser. I'm I'm a Christian. You start thinking like that. You place a demand on that, that I'm going to be of God and get out of the way. And I'll tell you what, you're beginning a walk that'll astound you. You'll have testimonies before next week comes. You can give those testimonies in, and I thank God for the three or more, and I know there's more than just the three that Miss Amy read, but she'll have so many to read, it'll take her a week to read them all out of this congregation right here. Come on, everybody, bow your heads for just a moment. Father, I thank you for the time that we've had. I thank you for the word that's been spoken. I ask you, Lord to edit it. In other words, make it fit for the right person at the right time. And if anything I said that wasn't exactly as it should be, Lord God, just take that out. But minister to these people right now and help them to see that the importance of this message was not doing church as though we were coming here. It was to see how easily and how effectively we can begin to involve you, the grace of God, the work of the Holy Spirit in everything that we do. Father, teach us this day how to get out of our own way and let you be God in our lives. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.